0: Hello, and welcome to the Collider.com podcast. I'm Collider.com senior editor, Matt Goldberg, and with me is deputy editor, Adam Chitwood. Howdy, folks. This week, we've got two podcasts for you. And first up, we're going to be talking about Disney+. Plus. And then a little later this week, we'll be doing an episode devoted just to Mindhunter season two. So if you're working your way through Mindhunter, try to finish up uh, so you can jump in on that podcast and listen to us talk about the new season. But in this episode, we'll be talking about Disney+, Plus, the movies, the TV shows, how Disney Plus fits into the streaming landscape, and then we'll finish up with Recently Watched and Reader Hot Takes. Uh, how many serial
1: killers we think will show up on the Disney Plus shows? At least seven. At least <laughs> seven or eight, right? David Fincher's directing a Disney Plus original. Well, you know, it's funny like
0: people were like what about the R-rated shows? And I'm like that's what Hulu is for. Like yeah. they, like it was it was like like I saw someone was saying like well, you know, if Disney Plus is just Disney related content, then you know, they're not going to have like that sort of, you know, they're they're losing out on co- sort of a a more adult audience and they're not. That's what Hulu is. That's why Disney bought a controlling stake in it and that's why they'll own the whole thing. They want Hulu.
1: Exactly. So, yeah, that's why. Well, even that high fidelity show with Zoe Kravitz was supposed to be on Disney Plus and then they moved it to Hulu when it had like more adult themes. Um, But I do know they've been having like a few like difficulties, like the high school musical show. uh, They fired the first showrunner because that showrunner was trying to do too many like adult themes, apparently. And then um, they've been developing this show based on those Disney villains books uh and after like two rounds of development uh and 13 weeks into the writer's room they decided to scrap the whole project because the tone was apparently too dark um which in that case you're working with like very recognizable ep or ip not ep god um so if you're like doing ursula and making ursula this really troubled terrifying figure and then you open up the Little Mermaid with Melissa McCarthy as Mer- Ursula, but you can't move that merch because too many people have like seen the Disney Plus show and they're like, "Oh, I don't really like Ursula" because whatever. Like it all becomes a. I mean, it's like what we talked about the other week, where like if you're if you're talking about Disney movies or shows, you have to think about it in terms of all of the verticals of the theme parks and the merch and everything else. Exactly.
0: And also, I mean, there's just the brand. Like, what can you put under the Disney Plus brand that would fit? And there's like I don't think, you know, someone's like, I'm gonna make a hard R Ursula film, but or, <laughs> I will also say like they don't David
1: Venture's Ursula. David Venture's Ursula. Uh yeah, she like was, I don't with the dragon tattoo she yeah, got, like, nipple ring.
0: No. Too far. <laughs> too far. <laughs> um I think like, you know, they're willing to like obviously exist in, like, a PG-13 realm, depending on the property. Like, I think something like Mandalorian is clearly PG-13, even though it doesn't have, like, a rating attached to it. Like, that opening shot of that trailer is stormhead head, Stormtrooper heads on pikes. Yeah. So, that's PG-13. But, like, if you're doing something more for, like, Disney cartoon villains, you've got to
1: scale it back. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, and I think we can reasonably expect the Mar- the Disney Plus Marvel shows to be in the same tonal range as the movies. Um, I mean, Iron Man 3 has a ton of cursing in it, which I had kind of forgotten. But, like, they let Shane Black do a lot in that movie. Which they did. Kind of they let him
0: get away with some stuff. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, this week – so part of the reason we're talking about Disney Plus is that uh, D23 was this past weekend. And they, they did a big sort of Disney Plus rollout in terms of, you know, here are the TV shows that are coming and here are the movies that are coming. Like, they're really hammering it because the service launches on November 12th and they really want, you know, that subscriber base to be huge when it launches. Um, And I think it will be. I think they've really got a lot to back it up. And I think, you know, on the one hand, we can bemoan sort of Disney's omnipresence. Um, By the same token, I feel like I'm glad they're making an effort. I don't think they're just resting on like where Disney fuck you, you'll show up. Like yeah. it feels like they're made, they're put, they're, they're really making an effort to put their best foot forward. They're not taking this streaming landscape for granted. Like that being said, I don't think they're going to like bury Netflix day one, but I think that they've at least made the case for like, we know that you're already, you know, that in a streaming landscape, you're probably already subscribed to. Netflix and possibly Hulu and or Amazon Prime, plus maybe some other streaming service, and we're asking you to put us on top of that, we want to offer you content that demands to be seen, that that by really using our IP to make people, to give people a reason to show up.
1: Yeah. And I mean, if you look at, so Haley put together a really great kind of catalog of everything we know that will be on Disney plus, uh, so far, and it's not a ton of things. And, and that's what Iger has been stressing this whole time and all these earnings calls and everything is that, you know, the volume of content on Disney plus is going to be nowhere near the volume of content on Netflix. And that's why the price point of Disney plus is 699, at least to start, they're definitely going to raise it within the next few years. Um, but and, and I was talking about this uh, with my fiance and I was like when it launches it's gonna be incredible but after a couple of months it's gonna be like, Yep, seen the the Disney movies I wanted to rewatch again and seen the Pixar movies I wanted to rewatch again and you know, don't really feel like watching, you know, the Rocketeer for the seventh time. So well, that's what bl- else is I, I- that's just blasphemy. You can watch the Rocketeer anytime. <laughs> I, okay, that was a bad example. Maybe remember the Titans. I watched it so sure. much in high school. Um but uh, but the, the volume of content is, is much lower than the volume of content on Netflix, and the diversity of content is not, uh, not the same. I mean, it's all Disney movies, and Disney has done a great job of branding over the years to make sure that when you see a Disney movie, you know you're going to get what you want to see, and it ticks all these boxes. But that kind of makes it a little more homogenized, which is where these originals come in, and they start to diversify it. Like, The Mandalorian is going to be very different from a lot of the other stuff that's on there. Um, it's going to be brand new and cool. But a lot of these Marvel shows, which are, they sound pretty cool and they're going to be pretty cool, they don't roll out for a while. Like the first one doesn't debut until fall 2020, and that's Falcon and the Winter Soldier. And then we don't get Loki, Hawkeye, or WandaVision until 2021. Um, and then you have shows like Moon Knight and She Hulk and Ms. Marvel that haven't even started casting yet. So is that 2021? Is that 2022? Um, you know, obviously they'll probably to a second season of some of these but others feel like they're meant to be kind of a handoff like hawkeye i don't imagine hawkeye's gonna stick around um you know after he does the handoff although maybe he does because he's the character that you know never dies in the mcu for some reason um but loki seems like a pretty close-ended thing and wandavision is being set up as this kind of big prequel to dr strange 2 um so and you know again those aren't coming very soon like on launch date the mandalorian is the most high profile new original series that will be on there there will also be the high school musical series and the world according to jeff goldblum which is a national geographic thing um that's it in terms of like new original tv shows so i think disney plus is something that a lot of people are going to automatically get especially if you have kids because that's going to be kind of a goldmine there But in terms of longevity, they've got a long way to go before they build up that library to make it something that like, oh, every night before I go to bed, I'm going to watch something on Disney+.
0: And yet I kind of like that it's not an overwhelming glut of content.
1: Yeah, I feel like because there's
0: less stuff, it feels better curated and it feels like I can jump into it like – Jump into these series, whereas, like, Netflix is just this const it's like being fire hosed. You're just – with just a nonstop barrage of content where you can't possibly hope to keep up. And you just kind of have to shrug and be like, I guess I'm not watching Glow for a while. Yeah. And so – but with this, you have, like – they've already said that these will be weekly series. They're not dropping all episodes at once, which, again, is smart. Which, yeah. Um, it's It's smart because – you don't have to like worry about someone binging all your content and being like, well then what, what do I do now until the next thing? Like, yeah, presumably like Mandalorian ends. And then there's a new series that'd be like, and this is your next weekly series. And I think that's a much better use of someone of your, of your audience's time. Like the fact that I like, if Mandalorian was like we're dropping all 8 episodes of Mandalorian at once on November 12th, I'd be like ugh cuz I'd be like that like cuz first off that's a that's a Tuesday and <laughs> I don't have like 8 hours on a Tuesday to watch all the Mandalorian. I mean, you could. You could be like for work purposes for I'm taking today off. Yes, exactly. But now I I like I like I like it when shows are once a week. Like I know that Netflix sort of pioneered like all episodes at once and that's all well and good, but Honestly, I prefer one episode a week because it lets me enjoy the story with everyone else. Like we all get to follow the story. We all get to talk about it. We're all on the same page about it. And it lets the story sort of have a greater place in the cultural conversation. Like we were talking about how Stranger Things uh, 3 like just disappeared. Like it was like July 4th. And then like two weeks later, it didn't exist anymore because how could it? You know, it just sort of like either everyone who wanted to binge all the episodes watched it. And then if not, it just kind of disappears. And then, but like with Mandalorian, I think we're going to have eight solid weeks of what is the show? How does it fit into Star Wars? Ooh, this character just showed up. Ooh, what's that like? I didn't know that about the Star Wars universe. Like, I think it's going to keep, I think it's going to make for a richer experience rather than we all have to watch it on November 12th or fuck you.
1: Yeah, and I said this in my write-up. I think, you know, something that people forget is that the landscape in which House of Cards debuted in, what was it, 2011, was a very different landscape than today. So the binge model back then was brand new, and was something that was kind of cool. Like, over a weekend, I watched all of House of Cards Season 1, but so did a lot of other people, because it was this brand new, exciting thing. And Kind of the first season of Stranger Things was a little similar, although that one was uh, uh, more of like kind of a grassroots thing, like uh, word of mouth got yeah, around. Netflix so did not know what they had
0: with, with the first season of Stranger Things. No, they like and, no and
1: from like stories that have been reported, like Netflix straight up thought it was like nothing. They were like, whatever. Um, they were not pushing that show. <laughs> so um, but I, I, I mean. So that binge model was really cool because there were a lot of people who could binge a season over a weekend because Netflix was releasing a new season of a TV show like once a month, maybe. So it was a thing that like everyone kind of made time for. Now they're launching a new series, new original series every weekend, at least one, usually multiple. Um, on top of their movies and their stand-up specials, on top of everything else, and there's just no time. I mean, I watched Stranger Things season three with my fiance over a weekend. Uh, for work purposes basically like I wanted to make sure that you know we could get the coverage that we needed I wanted to be able to talk openly about it but she went to work the next week and no one else had watched it and then the next week no one else had finished it and then the next week and then finally someone comes to her and was like oh I finally watched Razor Things 3 like two months later and she's like oh I kind of forgot like I enjoyed it but I can't really talk specifics about it anymore because it's been so long that since I binged it whereas you know releasing the Mandalorian once a week, the easiest one-to-one is Game of Thrones. Like that experience, as much as we all kind of hated Game of Thrones by the end there, um, I still savor that experience of watching it on Sunday. And on Monday, everyone was talking about it. And you had the whole week to kind of discuss it, to argue about it, to ruminate on it. And then everyone got back together on Sunday and watched it again. Um, and that goes back to the days of, you know, I did the same thing with lost, did the same thing with ER. I mean, when there was like a big special episode of ER, I remember going to school the next day and talking about it. Uh,
0: it's the return of the water cooler.
1: Yeah. So I think that, I think that's super smart of Disney plus to do that. I think, you know, probably shrewdly it's mostly because they don't have the volume. So they have to, they have to pad it out to keep people watching Disney plus, um, And that timeline is going to be perfect for them. That November 12th, if you have eight episodes, that's eight weeks. You're going to give people the entirety of the holidays to watch that show. So some people will watch it week to week starting on November 12th. Some people will go home for the holidays and tell their cousin or whatever, you know, at the end of December. Man, have you watched The Mandalorian yet? No. Oh, okay. We'll watch the first four with me now and then we'll, you know, we'll catch up and then we'll go on to this. Um, So I think that's very smart. But I'm with you. I'm super happy that it's weekly.
0: Yeah, I think like. You know, I, again, there is a bit of glut of content, but I don't feel like I need to watch everything that Disney plus is releasing. Like I was never into really high school musical, so I don't have to worry about that. Yeah. Um, Noel looks cute enough, but like, I don't feel like I necessarily have to watch that the day it is
1: released. Well, uh, it's also a movie that they just like shot and then decided, Oh wait, let's just bank this. Yeah. Like it was supposed to be in theaters and they were like, let's just hold it. Yeah, exactly.
0: Like, and lady with lady in the tramp, like, I'm like, this is nice. I don't feel like I have to like watch that immediately. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, you know, there will be stuff that I feel like I have to watch as soon as possible, like the Mandalorian or the Marvel shows. Um, but there's other stuff that sort of like, this will be nice to see, like this will be nice to watch, you know, on its own. And then of course, you know, you have just the the whole Disney catalog at your disposal. And honestly, that's something I'm really looking forward to watching. And I'm hoping Um, that they really go out, they, that they do the work to make it accessible on some deep, on some deeper cuts. Um, for instance, if you come to the site, um, Drew Taylor wrote this great article for us where he ranked every Disney animation studios, major film. And there were about like 53, 54 of them. Um, and there's some deep cuts in there, like three Caballeros. And like, I would really like to watch three Caballeros, but like where to find it. And I'm hoping like Disney plus will be a place where I can, I can finally watch it.
1: Yeah. That one is confirmed. Um, so we know three Caballeros is on there and mm-hmm. sword in the stone. It is like predictably a little geared more towards the hits, you know, uh, Sleeping Beauty, Snow White, Pocahontas, and Moana, um, but I'm, I I agree I'm I like I want to go back and watch other like Disney movies that I've never seen from the 60s and 70s and even the 80s. Like and I want to like rewatch some stuff. Like I want to rewatch Cinderella. I want to well and I own, yeah. I mean I own Snow
0: White, but like I want I it's good to have like a, a easy like the the vault was such a stupid thing. Like I understand yes. why they did it, but I'm very grateful now that like parents can be like, "Hey, I want to share Cinderella with my child and I don't have to like track it down on Blu-ray or whatever. I can just pop on Disney plus there's Cinderella. Let's watch Cinderella.
1: Although I'm very curious to see if Disney plus just makes things just go permanently in the vault and they just stop printing them on physical, which would suck. That would very much
0: suck. Yeah. I would be, uh, I would be very bummed about that. And that's why I've been making a point to buy hard copies of Disney films. Like, yeah, like I have Aladdin on Blu-ray, but I'm buying Aladdin on 4k. Cause that's going to be my definitive copy. Cause maybe Aladdin just disappears
1: eventually. Yeah, and because you just love Will Smith, so I get it. Yeah, I understand. That's
0: that's uh, that's exactly that's exactly what I'm talking about. about. Yeah, of course.
1: (laughs) Okay, the definitive Aladdin. Um, uh, I I did want to ask you. I am curious uh, what you think about the so Lady in the Tramp um, looks kind of cheap. Do yeah. you think – like what uh, – so what is a Disney Plus original movie going to look like? Because in in a lot of ways, like Netflix original movies uh, are pretty indistinguishable from movies that go in theaters. I mean some are clearly more distinguished than others. Um, but even the more kind of slocky ones are like, oh, that would be a horror movie that would be released in January or whatever. Yeah. Um, Disney Plus, I mean, Sword in the Stone is one that's being eyed to be made directly for Disney Plus. I'm not sure if they've confirmed any other of those live action remakes that are going to Disney Plus, but uh, Lady and the Tramp definitely feels a lot different than Dumbo or even Pete's Dragon.
0: I would say that right now, Disney's strategy for their movies is if it doesn't look like it can make a billion dollars worldwide, it goes on Disney Plus. Yeah. Like that. And it sucks. I don't, I think that's and i get it like ooh the theatrical experience will you know you know these will be the really expensive movies that have the the, the that might have the ability to generate a billion dollars worldwide i think that makes your slate a little homogenous um i also think that it pushes out smaller pictures that could be interesting and could be hits in their own right and i think instead all that stuff's just going to
1: land on disney plus yeah I'm which is a bummer yeah, that's a, that's a shame.
0: Like a film, like a few years ago, Disney released, uh, Queen of Katwe, um, which was a true story based on this, um, uh, chess player and it's a film they released theatrically and it didn't, you know, it didn't make a ton of money, but I'm glad it existed. And I thought it was a well done story. I think if that film were released today, it would be go direct to
1: Disney plus. Yeah, that makes sense. That's a shame. It is a shame.
0: It is a shame. Um, Yeah. I I think Disney is going to be, I mean, and, and, and on the other hand though, like you can't, like Disney is, as I've said before, they're very good at minimizing risk and maximizing reward. And like, I can't, again, if you're a Disney shareholder, you're just over the moon over something like the Lion King or the fact that like your studio, like the studio has cranked out what, four movies this year, that five movies this year that have earned over a billion dollars worldwide. Yeah. It's five, right? Captain Marvel. Lion King, Aladdin, um Endgame. Endgame, and Toy Story Four. So yeah. five. Yeah. Five films that growth over a billion. And guess what? They still have Frozen 2 and uh Rise of Skywalker on the way. Yeah.
1: Although the less said about Galaxy's Edge, the better.
0: Is Which Galaxy's is Edge a flop? Big. Is Galaxy's Edge a flop?
1: It is. Really? It is a massive blunder. Really? Uh, I am surprised. Some people who know kind of what's going on. Um,
0: Is it because, is it a blunder because people are like, I don't want to go, that people think the crowds are going to be so big that they're like, I'm staying away. But it turns out the crowds aren't so big because
1: everyone's staying away. So that was the spin. Originally Disney was like, well, then the, so like, uh, like definitively the tickets sold and like attendance is low. It's lower than they projected. It's lower than they expected. The spin was it's low because people were afraid of crowds. But it hasn't gotten like gone up significantly, and it's not – so I haven't been, but uh, talking to people who have been there, talking to people who are huge Disney nerds who kind of know kind of what's going on, there's not a lot to do. There's one ride, there's a cantina, but there's no stage shows, there's no stunts, there's no characters, there's no, um, like, interactivity. And this has been my thing ever since they first announced it was – so when they first announced it, I was like, oh, okay, this is their answer to the Wizarding World of Harry Potter. What makes the Wizarding World of Harry Potter a place you want to go to and a place you want to stay in and spend like an entire day in the theme park in is it has the iconic imagery of the books and the movies, so you get to go to Hogwarts where you saw Harry go, and you get to go to all these shops that you saw in the movies, and you get to listen to the music from the movies as you're doing it, so you feel like you're in that world. The idea behind Galaxy's Edge is like, oh, no, we're going to create a brand new planet that's never been in any of the books or movies or anything, and and there's going to be no Star Wars logos on any of the merch because you're going to be completely immersed in this new story and there's going to be no Star Wars mu- music because you're completely immersed in this new story and Star Wars music doesn't exist. The result is like it's just like random space land. It it just sounds dumb <laughs> to me.
0: It definitely seems like the kind of pla- like I agree like first off it seems like at, at least right now that they're they've stumbled out the gate. Like they they um, were planning to have this huge launch and it seems like what they've really just succeeded at is something for Star Wars diehards yeah. who will pay any amount of money for Star Wars merch. Like, they will not blink at spending thousands of dollars to build their own droid. Like, that is a thing you can do in Star Wars yeah. land. Yeah, um, yeah, But, like, that's kind of, like, antith... But, like, I don't know. like Like, you're saying, like, with Harry Potter, like, you go and you're kind of immersed to the point where you... It actually... Anytime that immersion is broken, it really gets broken. And I'm yeah. talking about putting your bags in the lockers, which is the <laughs> worst.
1: <laughs> or walking around in the hot, like, Orlando Sun and Hogsmeade. The Diagon Alley is much more immersive. Yes. Um, but, like, it's a place you want to spend time in because you're like, well, I want to make sure I go to the Hogshead and eat there because that's where they ate the movies. And I want to make sure I go to Gringotts because that's where they went in the movies. And I want to make sure I go to Ollivander's. Whereas in Batu, it's like, you know... I just, I don't understand it. I don't. I, and get and I
0: haven't gone either. Like I haven't gone to, uh, about I haven't, and they haven't opened it yet or maybe they're just about to open it in, at Disney world. Like it's probably yeah. open in Disneyland. It's about to be open to Disney world. And maybe like right now they only have the, the smugglers run thing, but they're about to have rise of the resistance. So they'll have another ride.
1: Yeah. Um, maybe that ride makes it worth it. But so far, everyone I've talked to has been like, it's just, there's not much to do there. And you're just like, all right, cool. Moving
0: That's on. yeah, wow.
1: Yeah. <laughs> that that we well, well then. <laughs> this got we were talking about Disney Plus
0: and now we're just like, man, Let me tell you about Galaxy's Edge and how it's a bummer.
1: Well, and that's kind of why, because it was so expensive and it's supposed to be the future of the parks, that's kind of why these earnings calls, like Bob Iger made that really weird, like, you know, oh, things are bad because 20th Century Fox movies did not do as well as we wanted them to, and it's their fault. Get fucked, Bob. You knew what you were buying. Yeah. (laughs) You you knew knew what Dark Phoenix was. You knew what. All and the, like, you didn't stu- buy or- them
0: because like, oh, we want Fox because of their 2019 release slate. Yeah. No, you bought Fox because you wanted their library for your streaming service. So don't give me this, oh, if only their movies had been stronger.
1: Yeah. So that'll be interesting. Um, but I will say like on the features side, on the movie side, they're doing gangbusters, obviously. And I think Disney Plus is going to be, if anything's going to be a quote unquote Netflix killer, it'll be Disney Plus.
0: And I don't think Netflix will be killed.
1: No, I, you know, I
0: saw some um, meme going around where it was like Netflix in a coffin and like being carried by uh, all the Disney properties, which, hey, don't do that. (laughs) (laughs) These businesses do not give a fuck about you. Don't don't worship business daddy. They're not going to they don't love you. Um, But also, like, I just think there's enough room that they are both going to exist.
1: Yeah. 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 and, And like so Netflix is going to have like the witcher, which is going to be, by the way, for
0: the people that are hearing a buzzing in the background, that's landscaping that I have no control. over.
1: (laughs) (laughs) We'd all just have to live with that shit now. (laughs) Anyway, go on. It's fair. Um, Netflix will always be able to do things that Disney Plus can't, like shows like The Witcher or shows like Mindhunter. Like that will never be on Disney Plus. And so, you know, as long as the prices don't get exorbitant and Netflix doesn't completely fuck their interface, I'll probably always have Netflix because, you know, I want to be able to watch Black Mirror or Mindhunter or even Stranger Things. Uh, and those shows aren't really going to get put on Disney Plus. Um, no. But at the Disney Plus price point of six ninety nine, that's a steal for. And so we haven't even talked about the Marvel shows really yet, which are, this is the very first time that Marvel TV shows will be directly tied into the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And that's because these shows are being overrun by Kevin Feige and Marvel Studios, not Jeff Loeb and Marvel TV, which ran the Marvel Netflix shows and the ABC show and like Runaways, all that stuff. That's Jeff Loeb and Marvel TV. These Disney Plus shows are meant to be like, New stories that are very integral to the overall storyline of the Marvel Cinematic. It's, Universe. it's
0: phase four. So if yeah. you wanna keep up with all that's happening in phase four, like if you wanna if you wanna be completely prepared for um Doctor Strange and the multiverse of madness, you probably have to watch Wandavision because Scarlet Witch is in both things and it's likely that Wandavision ties into Doctor Strange. Yeah. So like you don't like as with all Marvel things, like, you don't have to watch it, but, like, it sort of rewards you for, you know, having seen all the things.
1: For sure. And I think it's going to be uh, kind of minor leagues for the movies. Like, they've already said Ms. Marvel will show up in the movies after her Disney Plus show. And, you know, if She-Hulk breaks out and is this massive thing, you know, I think that, you know, that could be the future of the Hulk franchise.
0: Although... I really just want She Hulk to be the most basic law, like in the comics. She Hulk is a lawyer,
1: um, <laughs> and so just hire David E. Kelly and do. I like- want it to be
0: David E. Kelly. Just makes a regular ass law show where like She Hulk is like you discriminated against this employee, and like it's just like and like there's like a cast of quirky characters, but they're like they do they have a case of the week. Like it's the most basic non superhero show, except the main character is She Hulk. <laughs> I would love that
1: she gets mad and like her eyes light up a little bit, but that's it. That's all you get.
0: Right. Exactly. She, she has so, like she can lift things like, you know, like, like, Oh, can you like lift up this, you know, table for us? And then she's like, sure. But first I want to focus on this, you know, briefing. And that's, that's <laughs> She-Hulk. <laughs> I would watch that. Yes. Um. So yeah, I, I think, you know, they've got some good, I, I'm, I'm excited for these Marvel properties. And again, I like the fact that they're going to be weekly. Like I I don't have to worry about six episodes of, of this all at once or eight episodes of this all at once. I can really kind of just make it, you know, part of like a little bite-sized thing of Marvel once a week. I think that that works for me.
1: Yeah. Yeah, no, exactly. And uh, you know, it's not this huge, massive time commitments, and, like, it's a place where Lucasfilm can take their scrapped movie projects, like the Obi-Wan movie. Like, well, what if we just throw it on Disney Plus instead?
0: I'm, I'm okay with that. Um, Yeah. I know some people are really excited for that Obi-Wan series, but I'm just... Like, and I think, you know, Ewan McGregor is a good Obi-Wan Kenobi, but also, at the same time, like, I want to see new Star Wars stories. So, yeah. like, I'm more excited for something like The Mandalorian, which is like, this takes place... Um, After Return of the Jedi and it's it's all of these characters, you don't know these characters, so we have to like win you over and like make you care about their struggles. Um, I think that's that's a that is a more interesting hook for me than what was Obi-Wan up to in the desert for 30 years.
1: Yeah, even the Rogue One prequel series, I'm just not really interested in. But again, if it's being released weekly and if it's an off season, like if, that, if, if they launch the Rogue One prequel series when nothing else is launching, sure, I'll tune in. I'll watch it.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's the other thing. It's like how much TV is there going to be at once? And yeah. like how much, like what are your time commitments? So like there are certain shows like I'm like, I know I'm going to be watching Watchmen when it comes out. So that's yeah. a one th- that, but again it's a 1 hour a week commitment. But also I have sort of a personal rule where it's like if if I I don't want to tune in for mediocre television. I really yeah. don't. The only one that's probably going to make me break that rule is Marvel TV if those shows are mediocre because I feel like oh I have to know everything <laughs> yeah. for the movies. But like yeah. I, I don't I'm not going to be like grinding through an Obi-Wan series. Like if Obi-Wan is like in, you know, in the fourth episode being like, where can I get some power converters? I'm like, out. <laughs> I'm out.
1: <laughs> yeah. What even is that Obi-Wan series? Like, what is like, what does he do? I don't know. <laughs> what is, what is, I'm sure. I mean, it's like he's
0: like a Jedi in exile, like living under. I don't fucking know.
1: <laughs> is there going to be like a baby Luke Skywalker? Are we going to recast Luke Skywalker as like a preteen? Oh, is this going to be Gotham?
0: Oh, if so, we've got we'll get Vinny on it. <laughs> oh, I hope it's Gotham.
1: Because Gotham, you know, young Gordon and you had your young Batman. I'll yeah, watch that. Sure. Why not? Why not? <laughs> um Just bring in some super silly villains of the week. Balloon Man. Return of Balloon Man.
0: <laughs> um, yeah. Um and also I will say, like, in terms of its content, like I'm looking like I never watched the Clone Wars when it was uh, on the air and I couldn't really get through rebels because of all the commercial breaks. Yeah. Um, the fact that clone wars and rebels are now going to be on Disney plus. I'm like, I will watch those shows. I will, I will finally catch up on those shows.
1: Although are there really
0: seven seasons of clone wars? Yeah. That's a lot of TV. That's a lot. That's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I, I'm optimistic about Disney plus. Um, and yes, I understand that Disney is not like, <sighs> it's not some sort of trailblazer. It's there are things to be upset about with it, with the existence of Disney, but by the same token, I would also say there are bigger things in the world to get upset about right now. And Disney plus is not near the top of my list. Yeah. Um, I think this is a boon to parents. Um, It's not again, that $7 a month price tag is not demanding. I think you're probably going to get some high quality content out of it. Um, You know, and, and honestly, I feel like this respects its audience. There's a respect there that I'm not seeing from something like Apple TV, which is like pay us $10 a month and we have two shows. <laughs> yeah.
1: Apple I, TV is out of their damn minds. I don't know what they think they're – sorry, Apple TV Plus.
0: Apple TV Plus, yes, yeah, sorry.
1: Uh, with this like $100 million – like $400 million morning I just, show. Like, it,
0: it seems to be like what if we just threw a bunch of money at showrunners and that'll – that'll that then people will just pay us $10 a month. Yeah. Like I fuck you.
1: (laughs) Have they announced like features Apple TV is doing yet? Do we even know? I don't know, but
0: they're doing this real bad. Like this thing is supposed to, this thing is supposed to launch in the fall and they still haven't
1: announced the release date for it. They released like dope Emily Dickinson today. (laughs) The trailer for dope Emily Dickinson. Nice.
0: So three shows, there will be three shows, but yeah, like why would I pay $10 for three shows?
1: Yeah yeah i don't know i don't know what they're doing i do like uh one of the things that uh i thought was kind of cool about disney plus is that the the documentaries mm-hmm. so i've got that um you know one day at disney documentary which is very much like blowhard like oh look how great it is to work at disney yeah, a puff piece. but i'll still watch it uh but they have like this making frozen 2 feature-length documentary about the making of frozen 2 and those are the kind of like bonus content that they don't put on Blu-rays and stuff anymore. Mm-hmm. So if they'll commit to being like, yeah, let's, you know, let's make some documentaries that we'll just throw on Disney Plus that go into making, uh, you know, Star Wars, The Rise of Skywalker or stuff, something like that. As, some,
0: as like, someone who was in high school musicals, I will completely watch on the shit out of Encore.
1: <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. Oh, yeah, that's a really smart. That's a really smart idea for a show. Yeah. Like, for those who don't know, it's about you bring together former castmates. Uh, Kristen Bell is
0: the host and it brings together former castmates of a high school musical and has them do a new performance of the same play <laughs> but like they've been out of theater for for years. So yeah. I think that's a really fun idea. Yeah. Yeah, I think that'll be cool. So, so yeah, that's cool. Apple yeah. Plus has nothing. Yeah, Apple Plus is just where Apple give us money. Yeah. I I I'm, I'm not optimistic. Um so yeah, uh is there anything else to say about Disney Plus that I feel like that we have we have we not got
1: to yet. I'm sure there's always more to say, but uh, you know it it felt pertinent to to discuss it since it's been so heavily in the news and we haven't really dug into it. But you know we'll see what the future holds. I mean, Netflix started out at what seven dollars, eight dollars a month. Um, Like the price of Disney Plus will increase as they increase their volume, and I'm curious to see how they scale. And like so, you know Hulu. Hulu has been operating pretty much on its own, but now that Disney owns Hulu, like Disney bought out the rest of the stakes. So what do Hulu original series look like? Like, would they still greenlight something like Future Man? Um, You know, are they going to make... Would they greenlight something
0: like The Handmaid's Tale?
1: Yeah, are they going to make prestige television like The Handmaid's Tale? Or are they going to use it like they use Disney Plus and every other arm of Disney in that it's a brand extension? con air the series which i would watch the hell out of (laughs) yeah so uh, i'm curious to see if they do that or if they keep letting hulu kind of make because i i like a lot of hulu's original content i think they make uh, pretty cool shows and Mm -hmm. and, you know bringing back veronica mars was obviously really cool like will they still do stuff like that that's what i'm really curious about uh i mean disney plus i think we've got a pretty good handle on what they're going to be doing and what their business model is very curious to see what uh what hulu's like yeah
0: um I'm I'm definitely curious about what happens to Hulu going forward. Um, okay, well, with that, uh, let's let's move on to recently watched. What have you seen lately?
1: Uh, so I went out uh, this weekend. Uh, we went on a double date to see Ready or Not, which seemed like a really good date movie, and it is. Uh, it's a fun little horror thriller movie. Uh, it's pretty lean and mean. I mean, it gets right into the hide and seek murder aspect of it uh if you haven't seen the trailers uh it's uh this girl marries into a family finds out that on their wedding night she has to play a game of hide and seek where they're trying to kill her for some sort of ritualistic purpose uh this very wealthy family um Adam Brody is really good in it. Uh, I was really pleasantly surprised that he had more to do in it that I thought he might. Because uh, I'm a big fan of Adam Brody's. I really love the OC. Uh, and I feel like he's been kind of underutilized. Uh, he's really fantastic in Jennifer's body as a uh, Satan-worshipping band member. Um, and uh, Samara Weaving in the lead role is really fantastic as well. Um, it's a little... De- it's. Uh, not a little, it's quite derivative. Uh, And like, it's not very surprising. You kind of know where it is, uh, where it's going um, for most of it. Uh, And the filmmaking is solid, but it's not anything to um, kind of write home about, but it's a really solid, like fun date movie. So, uh, you know, if you're looking for that kind of film, I think it's, it's well worth seeing um, well worth red boxing, whenever it comes out on Redbox uh, if you want an night in. So I had a good time with it. It didn't blow me away. Um, I'm still, you know, anxiously awaiting Knives Out. I think that's probably the better of the, the kind of murder mystery-esque types of uh, movies coming out, maybe, possibly. Um, and the, I mean, I guess the closest parallel, this one, I would say, is like your are Next. Um, so it's a little your nexty, Next-y. Um, and it's horror, but it's also, like, equally comedy. It's very funny. So, So I had a good time with it. I enjoyed it. Not my favorite movie of the year, um, but uh, it's a pretty good time with the movies.
0: All right. Okay. Um, f- for me, I, uh, I was on a plane ride recently, so I decided to watch Dumbo because uh, I'm a Tim Burton completist. And it's a weird film. Dumbo's a weird film. Um, not... It has two very stinging critiques in it. One is about family separation. Because, I mean, that is Dumbo. Dumbo gets separated from his mom. That goes back to the animated original. But then the other thing is, and the thing that's really weird, is that Disney is the villain of a movie that Disney made. And it's just, it really blows my mind. Um, In the film, in the Tim Burton's version, basically, uh, Dumbo can fly, and then uh, Michael Keaton plays this sort of, you know, corporate head guy of his own, like, big circus. But, like... Um, they bring, so he like buys Dumbo. He like buys the smaller circus to get Dumbo and like Dumbo comes to the bigger circus and the bigger circus is Disney world or Disneyland. Like they even Hmm. have their own like carousel of progress.
1: I (laughs) saw that stuff in the trailers and I was like, is it, is that Disney? Yeah.
0: Like Disney is the villain. Like Disney is like, Disney doesn't care about you. Disney only cares about profits. Disney will break up your family to do whatever it can. And I'd be like, wow, what a scene critique except it has no force behind it. Like you don't get the sense that Tim Burton is getting away with something as much as like this happened to be in the script. So maybe the screenwriters are getting away with something. Um, But like, Tim Burton is just, he cannot get over this. Like I am a champion of the outsider, you know, like, and so like, you know, Dumbo's a freak and the, and the people in Danny DeVito's little circus are freaks, but you know, they're a family and like, they're the true heroes and you know, let's hear it for the outsiders. And I'm like, Tim, come (laughs) on. Buddy. Tim, you've Hans, (laughs) (laughs) Bubby. Um, you were not the champion of the outside. Like in when Pee Wee's Big Adventure came out, yeah, you were. Like Beetlejuice, yeah. Like the stuff that Tim Burton used to do, no one did, no one was doing. But now Tim Burton has been wholly, you know, subsumed by the studio system. Like Tim Burton does not make outside like, and there are directors out there who know how to work within the studio system and still like put their own Imprint on something to where you feel their voice, but Tim Burton just doesn't have anything left to say, and so he just kind of spits out the same kind of rehashes of things he's done before. And it's hard to be like I'm a champion of the outsider when it's like they sell merchandise based on your old movies at Hot Topic. So this notion that like Tim Burton is like that's why the the whole like Disney is the villain like rings hollow because like Tim Burton would happily work with Disney, like he's worked with them before, and he will work with them again. He's doing it right now in this very movie, right? So, like this no, so you know, I think there's something kind of interesting swirling at the center of Dumbo, but for the most part, it just rings hollow, um, and the film is kind of boring as a result. It feels like like a family friendly version of Carnival at points, mm. um, yeah. So I was just kind of like, I didn't have high hopes for it, um, but it was weird in a way that I wasn't really expecting. So there was at least that. Interesting.
1: I'm curious to see it. I still haven't seen it. But I mean, I caught a little bit of Beetlejuice on TV the other day, and it's so good and so full of life and vibrant and strange and weird. And then I was thinking about uh, like Dark Shadows, and I just got really sad.
0: Yeah, like that's like that. That's the thing is like Tim Burton has been around for like 30 years now. And he just doesn't have anything left to say. Like his 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 creativity has clearly stagnated and he hasn't forced himself to really um branch out. And and what's more is I think what's what's disappointing is that Tim Burton hasn't really used used his power to help other outsiders. Like he never you don't see like a Tim Burton like producing someone else who's like younger and has their own ideas. Tim Burton is just always gonna be all about Tim Burton's own little wheelhouse. And that wheelhouse is just old and decrepit and uninteresting. And it's a shame.
1: Yeah. I think he tried on stuff like nine and, um, gosh, I think, Oh, Ab- a- Oh, vampire. A- oh,
0: Abraham Lincoln, vampire hunter.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But, but you're right. He hasn't really been like, uh, he's not like a Guillermo del Toro where he's like, you know, let me champion exciting new voices. Right. Um, I mean, I'd argue the last time he ever stretched himself was Sweeney Todd, and that was 2007. Yeah.
0: And I would say his last good film is is Big Fish, which is 2003.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Corpse Bride. I tried to revisit Corpse Bride, and it's so boring. Yeah.
0: So, I mean, that's the thing about Tim. like, And so, like, Dumbo, like, when Tim Burton was announced as the director of Dumbo, I lost all interest. And that that loss of interest was, I guess, rewarded? Is that the right word? I don't know. (laughs) Um, But anyway— so yeah dumbo i wouldn't say rush out and see it but it does have something interesting happening in it at least that's a shame um all right so let's move on to reader hot takes so with reader hot takes what we do is uh if you like listening to this podcast we ask that you go on itunes leave us a positive review uh, but also include a your hottest take related to movies or television and we will read that on the air and engage with it um it helps us it helps you know boost our attention on iTunes. Uh, It it helps us engage with you, our listeners. So we see it as like a win-win situation. Uh, And so we now have, we have two new hot takes this week. Uh, First up comes from AJ and uh, his hot take uh, or her hot take. Um, Star Wars episode three is the best Star Wars movie. If you watch the movies in episode order, Obi-Wan is the main character. The buildup to the fight between Anakin and Obi-Wan is legendary. It makes the confrontation in A New Hope more dramatic and focuses the whole saga more on Obi-Wan completing his promise to Qui-Gon. I, I got to disagree with you, AJ. I got as someone who just recently watched those movies
1: um,
0: and we talked. Yeah, about Yeah,
1: we them. did do. Yeah. If you want a, a real long deep dive into the prequels, uh, go into the Collider Factory feed or maybe it's still in this Collider Weekly feed. Um a couple of months ago we did a pretty heavy deep dive into the Star Wars prequels. Um Yeah, and they're I bad. Like, they yeah, they're not good. And I like Revenge of the Sith more than Matt does, but I still uh it's still not not great. There I also definitely you're not alone. There are a lot of people who really like that movie. Yeah.
0: I would disagree. I don't I don't see Obi Wan as the main character though, because Obi Wan dies in A New Hope, and even though he's a force ghost in five and six He's not like it's it's a very much a supporting role. Like, you know, he just and he's he hasn't even been mentioned in the sequel trilogy. Like it's it's all about the Skywalkers. It's the Skywalker saga. So like I'm not saying that Obi Wan doesn't have a character arc, I'm just saying that he kind of becomes unimportant after A New Hope.
1: I've like uh, he's always been kind of a non entity to me, and I know that's sacrilegious to a lot of Star Wars fans, but uh I just there's really nothing. Well, it's, interesting he's just or an. He's, well, he's Obi-Wan. an
0: archetypical character. That's the thing. Like in A New Hope, he's the archetype. He's the the wise old figure who has to die to make way for the younger hero. Like it's it's hero with a thousand faces. That's all it is. And like yeah. then the prequels try to go back and give him some some backstory, but you know, it it's an uphill battle.
1: Yeah, yeah, not a, fan.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, So then the other hot take comes from tribe nine and this, this is, this will set you on fire. Uh, The Godfather two is one of the most overrated movies of all time. Ooh, That's it. Did he? (laughs) Tribe (laughs) nine did not expound, did not say why just said it is the one of the most overrated movies. Just Um, dropped it. Yeah. I I like Godfather two. I like Godfather one more, but I think Godfather two is a very strong sequel because I think it, it really carries forward the themes of Godfather one, which is that Godfather one is all about what will Michael Corleone do for his family. And he, he starts out that film saying, I'm not my family. I'm my own person. And what he discovers is he is exactly his family. He is actually the pinnacle of his family. He doesn't have Sonny's hotheadedness. He doesn't have Fredo's stupidity. Um, He is his father's son. He is actually, this is his birthright. Um, as much as he tries to escape it, it pulls him back in. Um, and what uh, Godfather Two is, is that it shows the hypocrisy of Michael's value of family as he loses everything that family is supposed to mean to him and reveals that what he meant, what Don Corleone, you could make the argument that he genuinely genuinely did care about family and that his immigrant story is a family story, but he goes through crime. Um, but Michael's story is the downfall of that. And Michael, by the end of it, he has killed his brother. He is estranged from his wife. He is estranged from Tom. Um, and and in exchange for what? You know, like how much more can you have? And so I think, you know, Godfather 2 is, if, if Godfather is the rise of Michael Corleone, Godfather 2 is the fall of Michael Corleone, Um, and Godfather three just exists for some reason.
1: Uh, like by Francis Ford Coppola's own admission, it exists because Mario Puzo was broke and he wanted to help out a friend. Yep. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and he did his best and he got a best picture nomination anyway, but yeah, he was like, yeah, okay, I'll do it. Yeah. Um, yeah, I love Godfather two. Um, and just like the sheer ambition of Coppola as a filmmaker, To the ballsiness to do what he did. Like, no, I'm going to have two protagonists. We're going to go back and forth in time periods, and the movie's going to be insanely long and super epic, and it's just going to feel like a novel. And it does. It feels novelistic uh, in form, Um, but just like the production of it. But then you look at Apocalypse Now, and you're like, oh, yeah, Francis Ford Coppola had a death wish. So. (laughs) That too. (laughs) That too. (laughs) Yeah. But, uh, yeah. I don't I don't think that Godfather two is overrated, but I appreciate uh you putting that out there. Yeah, that was a hot take. That was sizzling.
0: Yeah. Uh, so yeah, if you wanna if you wanna throw more hot takes like that at us, uh just go onto iTunes and leave us a review. Uh if you wanna keep up with this podcast, you should follow us on Twitter. Adam Where can we find you on Twitter? At Adam Chipwood. And you can find me at Matt Goldberg. Thanks for listening, everyone. We'll be back with you later this week to talk Mindhunter season two.